Recorded live. Hello and welcome to 99 Days to the Presidency. It's the look from 99 days on to Election Day, November 8th, 2016. It's coming around the corner and we're down to 90 days left to Election Day as we're exploring uh, as many times as we can in those 99 days. We're going to be broadcasting and podcasting for you giving you our opinions on the news, what's been happening with the election, um, some commentaries, even some opinions, perhaps, uh, as time goes on, of course. And uh, I'm joined by a fellow patriot and good buddy here on the air. And uh, good evening. Hi. (laughs) That was a southern hi, I guess. um, Due to the heat coming into the area later. Oh, boy. A sudden high, sudden low pressure, whatever it takes. Send it away. Yes, indeed. It's almost like this uh, presidential race. There's a lot of uh, high spirits flying around. Again, of course, today it was uh, Donald Trump owning the headlines almost uh, on both sides of the media. You have him on the liberal media uh, and you have them on the opposite spectrum. Uh, a lot of uh, grand old party members still coming out against their own candidate. Uh, I think today we had Joe Scarborough, uh, conservative uh, opinionator on MSNBC, called for the Republican National Committee to try to take Trump off of the uh, nomination, if that's possible. And the uh, very interesting times here. As every day goes on, it seems like more pundits are jumping on the on this bandwagon. Well, anything coming from Joe Scarborough is very suspect. I think they ought to reopen the investigation into the uh, the intern that died in his office. Uh, we'll find out what brand of alcohol he's drinking. Yeah, it's very interesting the way um, uh, a lineup of uh, Grand Ole Party members and, in fact, some um, celebrities and news media have sort of, um, you know, tried to get their 15 minutes of fame in on this by giving their opinions on uh, what should happen with the Donald, of course, uh, last evening, I think he sort of was speaking off the top of his head. He mentioned, uh, God help us if Hillary Clinton should elect the next chief justices of the Supreme Court. And then in the next breath, he said, well, maybe if the Second Amendment, Amendment people had something to do about it, that wouldn't happen. And I, and totally misconstrued there by every side um was the fact that they thought that Donald Trump was appealing to the Second Amendment people to go out and do something about Hillary. And I think that's just utter nonsense. Well, I think I think what he meant by them going out and do something was how I took it, as to go out and vote. You know, because gun ownership crosses party lines and political lines and economic lines. And I'm quite sure uh, I, he might have been sort of cute and cryptic, but that's what he was alluding to. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and for for them to go on, on this tangent 
Oh, apparently today the FBI even went and visited the Donald. And uh, they wanted to make sure he was not uh, was not uh, trying to do something to uh, harm Madame Hillary. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that that is just um, it, it's unfortunate because of the way he was speaking. Uh, he didn't actually launch into a uh, suspective tone when he mentioned that. He jumped from one thought to another. Uh, he was speaking in front of a large audience. He's not a career politician. He's very much uh, opposite of that. He's a business person that that thinks he can make a difference in the United States. And I was watching a little of his speech last night um, and he, he kind of made sense on a lot of things. Uh, if you can look beyond some of those transgressions where he seems to put his foot in his mouth uh, at various times through uh, different means that he can't control. He's almost like a, uh, uh, what would you say, a um, the baseball player for the Yankees, Yogi Barra, who would double speak and not even realize it. Uh, he's almost like him. He, he sort of inserts his foot in his mouth at times, and he he has to backpedal out of it. He likes to hear himself talk. <laughs> you know, well, I guess things when he starts to say sometimes is witty. And uh, right now, I I think I think, and and I'm only repeating what I've heard a number of pundits say. What he needs to do is he needs to stop going off script. Stick to whatever's in front of him or in the teleprompter. Quit the ad-libbing, and uh, he can beat her on the issues. Oh, yeah. Stick to the economy, stupid. Stick to the economy, and stick to making the country safer. And uh, <coughs> and uh, I sound like Madam Hillary here, clearing her voice. Clearing <laughs> But uh, just on those two things alone, uh, an interesting thing I heard today was uh, by whereas Mr. Trump has the the white male vote by about six or seven percent, Madame Hillary has the female vote <clears throat> by about twenty to twenty five percent, which on the face of it does not look good. But if he just sticks strict, strict, strict strictly <laughs> right. to the safety issue and the economy issue, he'll he'll turn around ten or twenty percent, ten or fifteen percent of that vote. Because you know, what does a woman care about? She cares about a family. She cares about having food on the table and that they're safe. Yes, that's three important points there. Um, and it's three important points that I don't think any politician can guarantee a voter. Uh, they can talk about it. Hillary Clinton can talk about it. Uh, certainly Donald Trump can talk about it. And there are ways to make society more safe, but I don't think that just the implication of electing a specific uh presidential candidate is going to mean that, quote-unquote, you will be more safe uh, wherever you live. But 
you know, it, it's always good to preach those things. Um, and it's something that people want to hear, especially in this day and age with all the shootings uh, that have happened, uh, the terrible relations with uh, police officers and citizens of this country uh, after certain events start happening. And it, it just... You know, it's something that's always happened in this country over the years, but it's never been really under a spotlight and a microscope like it is now. Um, Can I refute one thing that you said? Sure. Uh, you know, I waited so long to ask you that, I forgot. <laughs> uh, no, we were back at a... You know what? I did. Well, we'll carry on. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, tonight's news, so to speak, uh, we'll start with the Donald a little bit here. Um, somebody was crawling up the Trump Tower. Apparently, they wanted to meet the presidential candidate tonight, and that's a sure way to get arrested and spend some time uh, in jail. I think it was late afternoon. Uh, a man was captured attempting to scale Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan uh, Wednesday afternoon, apparently in order to deliver a message to Trump himself. Uh, the gentleman posted a YouTube video on Tuesday, uh, said that, quote, he wanted to seek an audience with Mr. Trump about an important matter, quote, unquote. So uh, here's one of your first people that could uh, end up with a long prison term uh, trying to make an impromptu meeting with a presidential candidate. Oh, uh, I wonder what cause he was trying to elevate. But that does bring me to a question here. You notice, with, uh, you know, with all the extensive real estate and business holdings Mr. Trump has worldwide, you know, and I, don't, I would not want this to happen, but, you know, he's put, by him going out and saying what he said, about ISIS and whatnot, he's really jeopardizing people that work for him. I think, you know, I think that somebody could come in there uh, and, and, you know, try to do harm, ill will to somebody at one of his golf courses or something like that. They'd be sending a message. Yeah, that could be a possibility. Uh, of course, uh, terrorist organizations are always looking to uh, infiltrate different uh, weaknesses and uh, especially, like you said, people that are anti them. Uh, I think they have a lot of people against them and certainly uh, Mr. Trump, just by running for president himself, has uh, put himself out there in the limelight for people like this person that decided to scale Trump Tower in, in an effort to see him or meet with him. Uh, definitely uh, put himself in the forefront of some uh, possible trouble. Yeah. Um, give somebody an idea. Nothing else. Well, um, looking around at the uh, Hillary Clinton camp, of course, uh, a couple days now we've heard about some new emails being released uh, through the WikiLeaks um, organization shedding some new light on situations and um, 
just released supposedly uh, around 300 pages of emails uh, related to this uh, most recent leak of emails. And I wonder how many of our listeners actually went up to the WikiLeaks site to uh, sort of view them, if you can. And actually, today I did that just as a test. I, I hadn't been that curious about them. But uh, I figured, well, let me go up and see uh, what it's all about. And it's very simple to, to look through this email archive. You just go over to wikileaks.org, and on the main page there, you'll see a link over to Hillary Clinton's email archive, which, after you click that, will bring you into sort of a custom search type, and you can see uh, what exactly... Uh, anything you want to search about. So, Mike, why don't you throw out a term, and I'm going, or my esteemed colleague, uh, throw out a term, and I'm going to put it into the uh, email archive here, and we'll see what comes up. Uh, honesty. <laughs> honesty. All right, that's a good, good word. I typed it in. I've got a good number of responses here. And let me view through them here. Uh, starting in 2010, April of 2010, I'm seeing uh, some emails here. Uh, Hillary Clinton to Sidney Blumenthal. Um, and then there's some replies from Sidney Blumenthal. Um, let's see here. And several replies on this certain subject. Uh, you know- I have, to st- I have to stop you right there and tell you I'm shocked. I did not think the words honesty and Hillary Clinton were could be said in the same sentence. I thought they were mutually exclusive. <laughs> well, that's a possibility, uh, but you threw the word out there, so it's going to huh. pick up every email that has the word honesty in it. Um, looking further into the uh, the files that have come up, uh, we go into 2012, and it's got Libya latest Benghazi intelligence. Uh, Hillary Clinton to Jake Sullivan, uh, and then there's Sidney Blumenthal. I guess they were CC'd maybe to Hillary Clinton on this. So let's uh, let's sort of read some of these emails on the show here, and we'll see what what was said back and forth here. As I understand the. President Obama told Hillary Clinton she could hire anybody she wanted for the State Department except Sidney Blumenthal. For whatever reason, he doesn't like Sid. Maybe the feeling's mutual. But he cannot be happy that that's her, her prime source for her information, is Sidney Blumenthal. Well, I guess it was some emails exchanged uh, between the two of them. They're kind of lengthy emails, yeah. uh, so I don't think we have time to read all of the the um, actual uh, content of these emails, but uh, it's very interesting here uh, how they go back and forth. Uh, earlier today, I was reading a little bit of the WikiLeaks, and, you know, Politicians do monitor what is said in the press big time. Uh, There was some articles that Hillary Clinton was concerned about. She wrote uh, to several people about them, uh, 
that appeared in the Associated Press and across the country. So uh, politicians don't turn a blind eye to the press. In fact, they try to, uh, to manipulate it when they can. But it's uh, very interesting to see what they, they have to say about certain commentary uh, concerning what's going on. Well, you know, the funny thing is, as I understand it, Mr. Blumenthal had some, had some dealings going on in Libya. That's why he was concerned about what was going on there and was keeping Madame Hillary informed of what was going on in the ground in, in Libya. Yeah, and as you're uh, saying that here, I just Googled it, uh, and Wikipedia, it gives the relationship to Secretary of State Clinton, says... Um, Sidney Stone Blumenthal is an American journalist, an activist, and a confidant of Bill and Hillary Clinton. He earned about $10,000 a month as a full-time employee of the Clinton Foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, 67 years old from Chicago, Illinois. So he's a journalist, activist, and political aide, I guess you could say. So, uh, very interesting there to see that. But let's read an email real quick. Uh, One of the top ones concerning England. Uh, Hillary says, if this poll holds, Labor has a majority. First debate Thursday, Sid. So, in the email, it said uh, from Hillary here, just had drinks with Miliband, who is still very worried. I have crossed fingers. And that was email that was from uh april 13th 2010 oh so it goes back a few years here um here's another one here back and forth if this poll holds labor has a majority first debate thursday sid so they're just exchanging emails about the uh england conservative and labor parties over there yeah probably Yep, so it's pretty interesting to read some of these documents. Of course, uh, they were assumed to be uh, confidential, but uh, they were posted online for everybody to read. Well, thank you, Gawker, or whoever did it, because it's been a public service. Yeah, that would be the WikiLeaks Foundation is where you find them. Um, But somebody gave them to, to them. Yeah, that's true, and we had talked a little bit about that. You have uh, information that you heard today, uh, apparently linking a terrible crime that has happened in Washington, D.C. a couple of months ago. Yeah, apparently, Julius, Julian Assange, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. He was on TV or being interviewed by somebody, and he was talking about the great lunch that people go to to provide him with the information and that they could risk their lives and basically he said that that's what happened with the man that uh, that what was his name? Keith Rich? Yeah, I believe it was uh, Seth Rich. Yeah, he was shot twice in the back, allegedly, uh, supposedly a robbery, but they didn't take anything as valuables or his wallet or his watch. He shot twice in the back. 
Yeah, and when this story came out, which was um, just a, a month ago or so, uh, July 8th, yes. uh, 2016, uh, the gentleman was a 27-year-old Democratic staffer. His name was Seth Conrad Rich. Uh, and as my guest mentioned here, my esteemed guest and colleague, that the killers or killers took nothing from their victim. So it was almost like sort of an assassination uh, right in the street. Apparently he was walking down the street of a a northwest D.C. neighborhood, and out of nowhere uh, somebody came up and shot him to death. So uh, a lot of issues around that. Uh, Not too much has been said since... Since this has happened, um, he was shot incidentally three blocks east of Howard University Hospital. Hmm. Um, so there had been a brief struggle, uh, possibly a uh, a fight of some sort. The initial reports had said that his hands were bruised, his knees were bruised, his face was bruised, um, yet nobody took anything from him. So either he caught, you know, fought back rather. uh, But this actually happened in the very early morning hours around uh, 4. 4 a.m. or so. Yeah, 4 a.m. So very early, not sure if he was coming home late or just perhaps going to work. He, of course, worked for the Democratic National Committee. And uh, there was rumors that maybe he was a source for some of the information that leaked out of uh, to WikiLeaks or someone else. But so far, nothing has uh, come up to uh, solidify that. Just right now, it's sort of uh, substantiation. Nothing is substantiated so far. But I would think that the uh, FBI would now have their antenna up and uh, might be a little bit more interested in this, this, this crime. Yeah, it does say in the report here, I'm reading uh, the initial report from Washington's Channel 4, uh-huh. uh, that robberies were up in that neighborhood. They've been up uh, 12%. Um, and that's why I say in the beginning of the show, you know, a, a politician can talk about guaranteeing your safety, but when you're out and about, you're on your own. A lot of the times, you're you're out there. So uh, you know, keep your head about you. And uh, you know, unfortunately, this happened to this person. Uh, just happened to be a staffer with the Democratic National Committee. And of course, a couple of shows ago, I was talking about how the Democratic National Committee has been exposed, sort of as an organization that favored one candidate in this race. Oh, what? Can you see uh, rigging the jury? No. Did I see it, you said? No, I said, can you say that? (laughs) I guess you could. Yeah, well, it is. You, can you imagine the amount of leverage and pressure that had to be placed 
on on Democratic politicians to not run this year, to attempt to run this year. Poor Joe Biden. I can't believe I said the word poor. <laughs> you know, by all rights, that should have been his job. He should have he should have been the next heir apparent and the man running to replace the president. What did they threaten him with that that he wouldn't run? And I speculation on my part. Not sure. I think a lot of that went back to uh, his son passing away. He was at an emotional low uh, probably at the time that he needed to launch a campaign. So uh, any strength he had was probably out the window. Uh, But, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, Still a lot of things going on in this campaign uh, between Hillary and uh, Donald Trump. I guess we'll be getting on to the debates at some point uh, as the months sort of uh, drag on here, and it's not going to be too much longer till Election Day. Yeah, well, I have to tell you one thing that I feel very blessed that Joe Biden didn't run. Yeah, he, he sort of, uh, as you said, though, I think he would have uh, been a viable candidate. He would have offered uh, Democratic voters a um, a middle ground between Hillary Clinton and the far far left of uh, Mr. Bernie Sanders, who garnered a lot of support uh, with a lot of people. But as you said, I think he would have been a very viable candidate. Wrong reply. I could reply, but not the question. I was waiting a question from you. Why was I blessed? Why were you blessed? He didn't run. (laughs) I know. Well, that might have been a a sign that uh, he wouldn't have won, maybe. No, I feel blessed because his second wife is from Hamilton, New Jersey, and he would have made a visit. Hamilton, New Jersey. Very, very neat. Now he will not. Yes, so I feel blessed. <laughs> okay. All right, well, um, of course, so fast. Sorry. <laughs> of course, all of this knockdown, drag-out type of uh, back-and-forth between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are not over. Uh, Just in tonight's uh, Wall Street Journal, it'll probably be in tomorrow's paper, Uh, the quote and the headlines are, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton target each other's vulnerabilities. So that's what I think uh, they're at at this point. Uh, A lot of the nuts and bolts of the campaign will, and their political platforms will be coming up as the next couple of months wind down. As we get closer to the election, it'll be... More interesting to see who has the better ideas, uh, and we'll be featuring a lot of those uh, stances from the different candidates as time goes on as well. Um, and if I could throw this question out to my esteemed colleague, tell me one thing about each candidate that impresses you, one portion of their platform that would impress you as a voter. I think what what I like about 
what the Donald is proposing is the uh, tax reform, limiting, uh, reducing the number of, of uh, levels from seven down to three. Um, I think uh, his economic platform is, uh, is exactly what the country needs right now. And I, you know, for some of these people out there listening, they're going to say, oh, oh, here's that trickle-down economy nonsense. Well, the fact of the matter is trickle-down economics works. And the fact is it wasn't that Reagan, when he cut taxes, the, the budget exploded. It wasn't because of anything Reagan did. It was because the Democratic majority in the House and Senate saw all these billions of new dollars coming in and created, you know, found homes and made new programs to, to spend these billions of dollars instead of going towards cutting back on a deficit. So it does work. It's needed. We were what? We, it came out today that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average American worker's Income went down by four-tenths of a percent this past year. And uh, it, what was the, it says that this president's going to be the first president in modern times to not have a growth rate of 3% in one year uh, of GDP for one any one year of his eight years. Heck, even George Bush, the, George W., for witness, he had a 5% growth, which was unheard of. So it just shows how poorly this president we currently have right now, his economic policies, really worked. Very good. I think um, if you could choose one platform from Hillary Clinton, what would it be that you find appealing? Next question. <laughs> Well, there's got to be something. Not a thing. I hate All right. To, I, I hate to say it, but not a thing. Well, I don't own a firearm, but I have a Second Amendment right to own one. She's going to put judges on the Supreme Court bench that are opposed to gun, the gun ownership. Uh, forget about economics. She wants the, you know, the, the stock and trade answer for all democratic presidents there's, there's the, the age-old battle of guns and butter. Republicans buy guns, Democrat presidents buy butter, social welfare programs. So what she's going to do is increase, uh, she's going to increase the number of jobs in the federal workforce. She's going to raise minimal wage to a livable wage. Uh, you know, Get off it. You know, if you want a livable wage, get a decent job. You're not going to make a. You're not going to raise a family working at McDonald's. Right, and I think that has been one of the contentions of uh, a lot of the population. You don't make a career out of that unless, of course, you're you're moving up in the ranks, things like that. But, um, yeah, become management. Maybe you have a a better position within the company, then, of course, uh, your income will rise, your 
standard of living will rise and things like that. But to think that you're going to make a decent life for yourself being a Walmart cashier is not a realistic uh, expectation. How about a Walmart quitter? Okay. At just about <laughs> most of the positions at at a well, company like Walmart. Uh, there goes my, my shot at the apple. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the U.S. debt clock, and that sort of runs hand-in-hand with uh, what I think you were talking about with the the extension of social programs. Uh, U.S. national debt, as we're talking tonight, uh, God, I can't even read that figure. I I think it's $19 trillion. Uh, I doubt it's $19 billion, but it's very high. and it's growing every day. So I think uh, what a lot of the um, election is about is are we going to keep growing this national debt or are we going to try to bring it down a little bit? Well, if you if you listen to the uh, to that debacle that went on in Philadelphia, uh, they would never know that there was a uh, there was a national debt. Just like you'd never know that there was a, a war of cultures going on, and that you have a, have people that want to destroy Western civilization, you wouldn't know that either. Um, so now that that that's a non-starter for those people. It is uh, nineteen trillion dollars, by the way. I just looked it up uh, on another website. I hadn't seen a number that big. And able to read it properly, but yeah, nineteen trillion dollars in debt, and what that means is every person living in the United States, man, woman, and child, would be responsible for fifty nine thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars if you had to pay that debt off. So, uh, looking at three hundred and twenty four plus million people in this country, every last one of them would owe approximately $60,000 on that debt. And that debt has grown quite a bit uh, since the year 2000. Uh, It's really catapulted up uh, quite a bit, going up uh, more than 105%. One of the only other times that the national debt was higher was during World War II, which it spiked with uh, spending, you know, all-out spending on um, defense, things like that. It was, you know, a world war. Mm-hmm. So World War II actually tops the current uh, economy as far as debt. But over the years and after that ended, uh, it came back down very nicely, uh and then it's now it's now shooting back up. So interesting how that uh, happens over the years. Well, you, you know, the whole idea of a national debt, um, debt is not a bad thing if it's if it's used properly. If you own a mortgage on a house and you build a hundred thousand dollars house. And you got a hundred thousand dollar mortgage. You are a hundred thousand dollars in debt, but you plan to pay that off over twenty or thirty years, and you can manage your debt. 
they've been very fortunate. The interest rates have been very low on this debt. But if, you know, it used to be that if the national debt was 1% or 2% of a deficit, if the deficit was 1% or 2% and the economy was growing by 3% or 3.5% a year in GDP, then that two or three or four hundred million dollars was no big deal. It was managed debt. And a well, uh, topic for another program. Yeah, we'll have plenty of more programs to talk all about this election, all about the uh, the politics of the country. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the, tonight's edition of the podcast. Uh, only ninety days to go. Uh, still a lot of mud being slung around, but we have a lot of the uh, fine-tuning of both platforms to hear about when the debates start rolling around, probably in September or so. And uh, that'll be an interesting time. I have a question for you. Yep. And hopefully you can answer this, because I failed. Can you can you tell me anything that Madame Hillary is proposing that that you like? That you that you could see that you favor any one program or idea that she has. Well, that's the thing. I haven't really heard too much of what she's been talking about in the last two weeks. All I seem to hear coming out of the uh, Democrats are how bad of a person Donald Trump is. I, I think they should drop that. I think it's a they're they're. Not beating a dead horse, but they're beating a drum that's already been the drum head's been broken on it. Uh, you can only hear it so much before you just stop wanting to listen to it. No, what I was asking. Oh, okay. So, right as it stands now, there's nothing that that she's running on any platform or program that that you approve of. Well, I I hadn't delved into a lot of the the platforms prior to the the nomination of Hillary Clinton what I would like to hear from both candidates in fact is what they are for what they're going to do for you the average country uh, American the average person in America uh, what they're proposing don't go out and attack one another anymore it's just it's wasted energy it's wasted space I think people just turn the page if they they see it online. Oh, they might think it's interesting or in the newspaper, but they're going to turn the page much faster on that rather than uh, stopping and and hearing what they're saying about things. Uh, and I don't think either candidate that I've seen too much of uh, in the news has done that so far since they've been nominated. Well. Let me ask you a question. Uh, these words, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? What Republican president said that? <laughs> was that a Republican president, or was that John Fitzgerald Kennedy? It was JFK. So here's a Democratic president saying that you shouldn't rely be relying on the government. You should be relying on yourself and what you can do to help the government. So 
I don't, you know, I think we've had this for the last 80, 100 years at least, we've had it, the tail wagging the dog. It's not what government can do for you. It's get government out of the way of your life. Because for most people, 90% 90 of the people in this country, they have absolutely no use for any government at a state, local, or federal level, except to empty the trash and police and, and the schools. That's the extent of what most people dealings with the government are, except on April 15th when they have to pay their federal taxes. You know, the responsibility of the government is to keep you safe so that, that Seth Rich can be walking down the street at 4 a.m. and not worry about getting shot. That's the responsibility of the federal government, to protect you from me, me from you, and both of us from the Indians. Or the French. <laughs> Very interesting there that you'd throw the French in on that. Um, let's uh, review just real quickly here before we close out. The tentative debate schedule for the presidential candidates have been released. Uh, here's the debate schedule. September 26th, October the 9th, and October 19th. So if you're uh, in the party mood, you want to set up your parties now for for home entertaining for these debates. I'm sure they're going to bring in a, a great number of listeners and watchers for this. Uh, it's sure to be a uh, an interesting time, and I hope both candidates, again, take the higher road. They're not biting at one another. Try to show your best side to go along with my esteemed colleague's last quote. Ask not what you can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Give us a break as voters. Let us decide and take the high road. Tell us what you're for. Tell us what you're going to do. And don't try to knock the other guy down. Well, until then, oh, so what football games are going to be on on those nights in question that you went off? Um, one, uh, which one of those nights is a Sunday night football game or something like that? I, there's already a pro football game, at least one has been scheduled, and that's why they scheduled the debate, because people would much more prefer to watch a football game than to find out who's going to be running the country and the, the, their ideas and views for the next four years. Well, let's see. September 26th is a Monday, so that's probably your, your Monday night football night there. Okay. Um, so that would be one night that, you know, the sports people would probably not be tuning in. And maybe they would never tune in to a presidential debate. There's a lot of people that that don't even watch a presidential debate. They, they could care less. Uh, they won't even vote uh, for this election. So, you know, there's there's a segment of the population that are going to be isolated from this. But uh, the next date is October 9th, which is a Sunday. So, assumably, that'll be in the evening. And, and, and if it's not a football game, it's a World Series. Well, there'll probably be some playoffs, I would imagine. There, we'll have to see as it, as it gets closer. We're still a couple of months off from that date. Uh, and then October 19th, is a Wednesday. So we've got 
three scheduled so far. Uh, Hillary Clinton has accepted. I believe Donald Trump uh, will accept those dates as well. But for now, that's the debate schedule, and we thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope to bring you a lot more as the uh, time draws nearer to Election Day. And thank you very much for calling me, and have an apple.